0: This is the Straight Dope Podcast. Before we get started, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor of the podcast, Mile High Shooting Supply. Go to milehighshooting.com. They carry high-end, high-quality equipment, materials, loading stuff, and everything that they stand by. They're good people. They're local to me. They have a huge shop and a huge inventory, so you don't have to worry about them running out of stuff. They carry good ammunition. They carry good powders. They carry good brass, good bullets. And just about everything and anything that you would need for what you need to do. So go to their website and get what you're going to use for what you're going to use it for from a company that walks the walk. Now, oftentimes they have promotions and sales and right now i don't know what the results are but they just had uh, kind of a a giveaway for anyone who ordered something from them online in december their name was put towards giving away a free zeiss optic and they had two of the brand new high-end zeiss optics so hopefully they continue to do promos like that and if you buy stuff from them. You get thrown into that, whether you know it or not. So, um, head over there, hit them up, get stuff from them. They're good people. They support good things. Everything you say will be held against you. Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Eric, I'm going to, um, say a couple things. And then hopefully you're going to say a couple things. I'm, I'm starting, uh, a multi-podcast episode, um, kind of themed thing, and I'm and I'm calling it the standards. Okay, and you're going to be the representative for F-class shooting. And the reason <clears throat> I'm inspired by talking about the standards is social media is full of garbage. And and you could probably cherry pick good information, but there's probably more misinformation than good information, and a lot of it is hidden. Or, you know, that I, th- I think that a lot of stuff is basically like cre- people's credibility. Sometimes is just, um, you know, they build a big following, and then all of a sudden, their following size somehow. Means that they've 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 actually got like behind the scenes credibility and and a lot of things get said that people argue about um, and so I'm going to take a new approach and the approach that I'm going to take is based on um, m- my training and participation in science and and I don't think anything that any of us are doing and shooting is really science I'm gonna I'm gonna back that up a little bit and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna justify that but I'm gonna take a, an approach that's more like science than what even the science people are saying. And what I mean is um, more like science is that when when things get published, they get published in journals. And those journals um, are specific to the fields that people study. And in order for it to get published, uh, experts in that related field, you know, send their articles right? They're research projects, whatever. And uh, I'm trying to avoid too much jargon, but you, you get the idea, right? People, let's say, you know, whatever your field is, you, you write something and say, Hey, we discovered this new thing. It's pretty cool. And then they send it to other people that are doing similar research and say, what do you think? And that gives them the opportunity to say, you know, I, I don't agree with this. This needs to be changed. Or you need to clarify this because this doesn't feel right. This doesn't, look right. And then they send it back and they say, we can't publish it until experts in the field can kind of come together and say, you know what, you know, this, this convinces us, we feel like it's worth the journal. Their credibility is based on the fact that they have standards that they let publish. And then they have standards that if it doesn't meet it, they say work on it and come back and maybe we'll decide to publish it. But if it, if it's kind of garbage and you did it in your garage or you're, you you did not do enough background research, they'll say, you know, we can't publish this in our journal because we're not, we're not sure it's showing what you're saying it's showing. And what I like about that is that you shoot F class and I shoot field matches and I could make a statement that you could kind of roll your eyes at. But if I publish it and I say, you know, this works because, you know, I discovered this, you know, you could roll your eyes and be like, man, that's not, that's not how it goes. Now, if we, if we come together and I say, Eric, I want you to test this and you test it and you go, oh man, you know, for, for your outlet, that makes sense. And and then I say to someone else, you know, Kaylin, Phil, test this. Does it make sense? No, here's why we come back and we work on it, but we don't, we don't just go straight to Facebook and say, you know, you're going to win, you're going to win the Olympics because this, because I said so. So I'm going to try to talk to experts in their field and, and try to first establish some standards. And, and then hopefully kind of see how that evolves towards discussing topics, you know, out of our, Or within our, but but with considerations from other disciplines. But I think that for me, the baseline is standards. And to me, right F class has certain standards that are kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Right. So for for the listeners, and, and I'm not saying anybody because you could go golfing and you know it could take it could take me 500 swings to get through 18 whole golf course you know there's there's really you know for me there's no standards when i go golfing and, and when people go shooting they can go shoot cans and and uh you know you go out to the public lands here in colorado and there's like old appliances that people shoot they're having fun there's there's no there's no real like standards but then we start to develop our own makeshift standards but f class actually has been around longer and has higher standards than a lot of other competitive disciplines in shooting um at at your level you know, what, what's the benchmark? One MOA. One MOA. That's awesome. And, and most, I've I've done a little bit of work. So, so I I crunched some numbers because I was hoping that you would say one MOA. One MOA in the peanut gallery world is like embarrassing, right? (laughs) And one MOA in the F class world, it's really impressive, Okay, like on my Facebook tagline, it says a two M.O.A. shooter with one M.O.A. dreams. Like I think that one M.O.A. is an incredibly hard standard to meet. But for competitive shooters, that's the standard. And I I don't you know, all the gizmos and gadgets, it doesn't matter because I want to talk to you about the level of skill. That people in your discipline, you know, the, the competitors are striving to meet. So I, I crushed a couple I cr- crushed a couple numbers. One MOA is very hard to do. At a, at a national match, how many people get 20, because sh- you shoot 20 shots? Right. So how many people shoot 20 shots within one MOA each match? Uh,
1: it depends on the conditions. If it's calm, there's going to be... A lot of people. Well, you know, I, I say a lot of people. There's probably gonna be oh, let's just say a hundred people there. There's probably gonna be wow, I said a lot, but now that I'm breaking it down, it's probably gonna be about ten percent. So it's not a lot of people.
0: I would okay. Say 10, so
1: maybe twenty percent.
0: Okay. Now I wanna I wanna emphasize that you guys are shooting. Twenty shots at the same one MOA target. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So uh, if it's calm, and now I'm talking a thousand yards.
1: Now I'm talking a thousand yards. Yeah. Because if you're doing six hundred yards, it's still one MOA, but a lot more people clean six hundred, like exponentially,
0: a lot more people. Okay. And that 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 makes sense. Uh. And we'll get to why I think that makes sense. But but I, I just want to set these guidelines for people to think about. So you guys are shooting a 10-inch plate. Well, you're shooting a big target, but really the, the standard is is the the 10-inch circle, right. and that's at a thousand yards from you and 10% of the match on, on calm conditions. Are going to get all their shots inside that place. Now, to me, that is mind blowing, right? That that's unbelievably accurate, and that requires an unbelievable level of precision. That, because I haven't done it, it it's kind of mind boggling. Now, when conditions are rough, what do you what do you consider calm in terms of environmental?
1: Well, calm is probably not the right word for us. Consistent, right? We don't care if it's windy okay. as long as it's consistent, right? Okay. Uh, because we, we can deal with that, right? But uh if it's if it's somewhat consistent, plus or minus one or two mile an hour, we're gonna be pretty 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 good at just cleaning the target.
0: Man. Okay. So I, I don't know if it's just me kind of really impressed, and I wanna do it because you know, I heard like I've heard other competitive shooters be like, Oh man, you know, if, if we did F class, we would just clean the house. And then I think like, Holy shit, like, man, you know, when I, when I analyze match shooters in field match conditions, a good match shooter can read the wind to about three to four miles an hour. They you know variability. Right. So, so we're talking about like, you know, most of them miss their first shot, then make a correction, but, but the good ones, like they make first round impacts, but it's probably within three or four miles an hour. And that's, completely unacceptable at a thousand yards because you would literally miss that by one moa right so you'd be you'd be missing it by 10 inches you've even hit a whole target off yeah um,
1: yeah keep in mind the target's one moa right so we only have half moa worth of error if you're trying to if we're trying to stay centered right mm-hmm. and then there's right. strategies that we do like safe sighting. we call it a safe sighting. for example if it's building that you if you know it's building then you start you start shifting your group from center to upwind so that if it builds faster, then you can still be in the target, right? You can be wrong because more likely you're going to be wrong downwind, not upwind, right, when it's building. So there's multiple things that we do, but uh, two miles, maybe three, three, four miles, uh, we might could could do that. It, It all depends on the conditions and how easily you can read for example if it's uh if there's zero mirage out there if it's all flags and it's yeah you could probably do three four miles the mirage is what i read mainly so i can for me i can do that better but Keep in mind that's a very small target. Like one MOA sounds big, <laughs> but it's not. It's when you're trying to put 20 shots in there, and uh, yeah, if it's consistent, it's not very hard to do. I mean, you you have to have like a an impressive gun to begin with. You can't you can't right, have right. a one MOA gun, right? Hmm. Because the error is not. I said half MOA. It's really not half MOA. It's whatever the. It, it's the one MOA minus whatever your gun can do.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, That's really the error. That, okay. That- okay, but here's the thing, right? So here I crunch some numbers. You say that, and I think people hear that. And I think, to me, it highlights an area that I'd, I'd like to explore. I could be totally wrong. And I crunch some numbers on a ballistic calculator with my gun. And I figured, you guys shoot faster because I watch your videos and I watch your interviews with Speedy, and he talks about speeds. You guys don't have a speed limit, do you? Do you have a speed limit? Well, yes,
1: yes, we do. Because, uh, well, like Speedy shoots bench Those guys don't have any speed limit because the oh. target's up there. But I shoot F-glass, and every time I shoot, somebody has to pull the target down and mark it. So I'm going to say somewhere between 8 to 20 seconds.
0: Oh. oh, I meant speed limit for the velocity of your rounds.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, we do not. Not in the States. There are some ranges that we do have a speed
0: limit. So what I did is I just jacked up my velocity to 3000 feet per second, which, which could be slow for you guys, but I wanted to see like, assuming I could shoot, you know, I was kind of doing a rifle craft version of what would it take for me to at least play the game with F classers, you know, and to me it's, it's, you know, how well do I shoot consistently and how well do I read the wind? And, and you obviously, right. There's, there's ways to play your game and it, like hedging the bets, but, but just, you know, blanket statement, wh- what rabbit hole do I want to go down into more than the other? So I, I plugged it in and I, and I set the parameters at 0.2 MOA, 0.3 MOA, 0.5 and 0.75 in terms of the groups the rifles capability of the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I plugged in two parameters, one mile an hour, reading the wind to one mile an hour, right because I'm under the impression that you guys get to study the wind and and sometimes there's flags so you, right. you could kind of get a feel for wind better than you might you you get a feel for wind downrange better so that so that even though it's a skill that you can develop and and fine tune your wind calls so so I thought, well shit. You know, it, it doesn't seem realistic in a field condition to be able to do that all the time. But a, but a high-level F-class shooter could probably get the wind to one mile an hour. I was like, okay. So I ran the numbers. A 10-inch plate at 1,000 yards with my rifle. I may not have entered all the stuff correctly, but I, it was just a hasty little thing. Um, 0.2 MOA with one, one mile an hour variance, I would have a 78% chance of hitting right? So, so three out of four shots with a standard deviation of my muzzle, muzzle velocity of three, because that's about as bet, best that I've ever loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a super good hand loader and, and you can't get factory ammo that good. So, so with a three standard deviation and a 0.2 MOA, right? F- like five shot group, one mile an hour, I would hit a 78%. 0.3 miles an hour, it would be 77.75. So a quarter of a percent by adding that 10th of a half MOA I I calculated at, at 76.88 so, so just about 77% so 1% less from a 0.2 to a 0.5 1% less that means one shot out of 100 would go outside of that right and at 0.75 MOA with one mile an hour variance it was only 75.3 so um, so, so that the percentage of missing with one mile an hour variance is, is low to competitive standards, but the difference between a 0.75 MOA group and a 0.2 MOA group is only roughly two and a half percent. So only two shots out of a hundred would be different, which means that if if you did, you know, five matches, somebody with a 0.75 MOA gun and a 0.2 MOA gun, they would only see the difference in scores as one point, two or three out of five matches, possibly, right? So then I was like, okay, well, I know you guys are doing better than that. And I know how hard it is to get a group from 0.75 to 0.5 to 0.3 and 0.2 is like mystery so 0.1 is probably like super mystery so i i've cut the hip percentage from one mile an hour to half a mile an hour right just cut that wind in half and the hit percentages went to nine they went up across the board across all of those numbers they went up it went up consistently at 19.7 percent more right so the The 0.2 went from 78 to 97.3. The 0.75 went to 95%. So if I was going to hedge my bets, I would take any load 0.75 or better with an SD of three, and I would bust my ass to be able to cut the wind down from one mile an hour (laughs) to half a mile an hour. And I think if I was going to guess that that's what you're doing when you shoot so when you shoot and and they pull down your target and mark it and stick it back up what are you thinking
1: oh what i'm thinking when that happens i'm looking at conditions i'm always looking at conditions uh, more or less are the same is what i'm always thinking i make a shot you know i look at the conditions i make a shot and then uh I'm thinking, I'm watching the wind, I'm watching the mirage, I'm watching whatever I can, and I'm thinking more or less are the same, more or less of the same, and I'm thinking, that's the same, it's the same, more or less of the same, same. I don't even ask myself that anymore, I just go, same, same, oh, more, more, you know what I mean? Um, so if it, if the answer is the same, and the target came up dead center, well, guess what? My le- next shot is same hole as last time, Right? If I'm saying, oh, it's picking up, then I'm already going to automatically increase half MOI. Because I know I can't read. It's really hard to read the wind within, you know, a quarter MOI. That would be one mile, you know. So I know Mm -hmm. that it's, if I can see it, it's really hard to see a change in the wind of one mile an hour. So if I see it, if I'm, it's, it's definitely 100% sure that I saw it, that it's more, then I know for a fact it's at least half MOA, which is about two miles an hour. Okay?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Plus, if I'm centered up, and then this is where the math comes in. Let's say I'm wrong. The target's one MOA, and if I'm centered up and I move half MOA, and let's say it, it wasn't, it didn't pick up half a moy. It, it picked up a quarter moy only. Well, guess what? I'm st- even if I'm wrong, I'm still going to hit a ten, right? So that's why right. I move. If I see something, I move a ring, which or half a just because mathematically I'm good whether I I'm right or I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that's fascinating. Maybe because first of all. Like I, yeah, I can't even imagine being able to be thinking in one mile an hour changes right i mean right. so 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 it's so so I don't even know what I don't know about about that so but then that's why I want to ask you what are you looking for because you know here's here's the thing we can talk about it online all day, but you can do it all day, so there's something <laughs> that you're doing that works right and 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 so um. And I want to—I mean, I, I, I appreciate it, but I'd like to appreciate it more. So, so the system of adding more, adding less, is really fascinating because it's—it's uh, it's just not something that I've heard people talk about. Like, you know, add more, add less, and you have rings that you can um, sub-tension off of. Well,
1: right? they're half MOA rings, so you know, it, it'd be no different than than having a you know your your tick marks on your on your scope, you know.
0: Do you think that would be the same as looking at your reticle versus looking at marks on the target? I mean, no, i guess the, the, in, the difference between PRS
1: but. or or field shooting, I guess, is that is that when you say field shooting, is that similar to PRS?
0: No, not not according to to PRS people. Well, but uh, let's <laughs> I just like, say, like, locate range and engage. It, it's it's okay. more similar than F class,
1: right? So sure. what I'm getting at is, if you see a certain wind. And then you had to hold half mil to hit it, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And let's say you're you're shooting at a two MOA target, right? Mm-hmm. That's six tenths of a mil, roughly, right? The minute you see a pickup, you should immediately move over three tenths. That's half the target. That's exactly what I'm doing in F glass, right? Right. But most people. Just move, you know, and I'm talking the minute you see a slight, a slight increase, it's an immediate three tenths mm-hmm. of a you know, three tenths, uh, three tenths of a mil. That's a big move for most people, you know. But mathematically, that's what you should do. And if you're wrong, you still should hit the target. You're gonna hit on the edge, right? But now that all goes back to why we tune our guns. As good as possible is so that we can trust that if I'm wrong, I'm still going to catch the line, right? Mm-hmm. See, we're shooting at a circle. It is the widest in the center. The taller mm-hmm. or vertical gets, the narrower the target gets, mm-hmm. right? So, so oh, for sure, yeah. So that's how that. That's how that works at least for us.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm fascinated because of a couple of things. First of all, you isolate a target, right? You have one target. So you're not changing positions. And so your awareness can now grow outside of um hyper focused to you know you would think okay you have one target, you kind of put the blinders on. But right. but actually it sounds to me like what you're doing is taking the blinders off to notice other things and the target's there you know you don't need to stare at it now your 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 field of awareness is growing away from the thing and that seems kind of counter it seems counterintuitive to me because if you say you're going to hit that target i'm staring at that target but i'm but but by doing that i've got tunnel vision and what you what you guys are doing as you get good right is the target's there it's, it's not going anywhere you know you, you got to have proper fundamentals and shoot well but now you're you're growing your awareness to be able to dissect that wind down because I it I, it would be hard to convince me that the performance you guys are getting isn't attributed to your ability to fine tune the wind below one mile an hour. So when you started F class, what happened for you to start noticing? you know things other than the target a lot of bad scores happened a lot of bad (laughs) scores but people love to just do the same thing
1: right so so one thing that i have done differently or i don't even know if it's different because we don't really share like it's that's the wind reading is the stuff that is not really talked about the main thing that we talk about is you know, your hand loads and how do you throw powder and whether you neck size or you not, whatever, you know, that's really, but we never sit down and talk about reading the wind because that's, as you said, that's the one that really tells people apart, right? You're going to win. You're going to win on wind reading because you have to assume that all the top guys have really good rifles
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's going to come down to wind reading. Now, you said you talked about taking off your blinders. One of the best matches that I've ever shot that I remember, uh, it was probably one of my first cleans at a 1,000 yards. Uh, I was shooting, and I, when the shot would go, you know, earlier in the day, as I was shooting the shot, I don't know, I'd shoot a nine, and there was nothing there that I saw to, to explain the nine. So... I would look all over the range and I couldn't see anything that looked different. And for some reason, I I happened to look over my shoulder and there was a flag behind me because we were shooting. For some reason, there was a flag. There was a flag behind me. And I saw that flag. And then I would shoot in this, you know, I would keep shooting and I'd be hitting tens and X's. And I kept looking at that flag. And then when I shoot the nine, that's the only flag that looked different, but it was behind me. So guess what I did the next time I had to shoot? I paid attention to that flag. And when that flag would switch, I would just wait. And then when they come back, I'd shoot. And I shot my, one of my first cleans ever at 1,000 yards. So you have to, like you said, take off your blinders. Yeah, you have to find that indicator that's going to tell you. Oh. Do
0: you guys do you guys use mirrors on your rifle to like <laughs> like little rear view mirrors? Not yet. Dude, that'd be badass. That'd be badass. Like cause, cause I mean, cause your rifle's not moving, so it's a fixed azimuth. And if there was a indicator somewhere around you, then well, we you wouldn't have we're you get allowed your to be able to use.
1: Rifle. We're allowed to use spotting scopes or whatever we want. And I I always shoot through my scope. I always read the mirage through my rifle scope. But there's a lot of there's a lot of shooters that use spotting scopes and if they find a certain flag or a certain condition or whatever that, that gives them what they need, they will focus their spotting scope on that flag. And they'll be shooting. And when they stop, they look through that spotting scope and then they get back and pull the trigger, you know.
0: Do you guys watch each other and say, Oh, you know, Joey over there, his spotting scope's fixed out there. What's he looking no, at? No, no, we,
1: we all shoot at the same time. So the way in F-Class, the way they do it is uh, you have classifications. You have marksman, sharpshooter. I don't; Those two may be flip-flopped. I don't, I don't know the order. But either way, marksman and sharpshooter, and then you have expert. Then you have master, and then you have high master. High master, you have to shoot 98% or above for 120 shots to to get that classification. So what they do is they put all the high masters together, and then... The masters and so on and so forth, right? So, they 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 put all the high masters together so that they, you know, as equal conditions as possible. And then on day two, they do what's called seat squatting. So it doesn't matter if you're a sharpshooter, but let's say you you had you just shot lights out just because your classification. Maybe you're a new guy, and but you you've been shooting for a long time or whatever actually you would never be a sharpshooter as a new guy because the new guy gets thrown under unclassified which is also the master class so you get thrown as a master when you first start right but the point is on day two they seat squat and if they don't they should because some matches some places still don't but they should and seat squatting means if you're first place you're going to be on the somewhere on the range that's been decided and second place going to be right next to you and third place is going to be next to second place and so on and so forth so that all the guys that are or all the shooters that are shooting together or you know have the same standings as close as possible they give them the same conditions right Mm -hmm. so the point is you you don't ever get to see like what the other top guys i I don't because i'm shooting when they're shooting right
0: Mm -hmm. that makes sense Do sometimes people record the to review afterwards? Put it just put a video camera down the line so that you can say like you know this is what I was doing. What what were these guys doing? So you get after action. No,
1: they don't. Uh, And uh, I've I've recorded myself before, but it's it's like anything else. By the time you're there, you should have all that ironed out already. You're there to there to shoot, and you you don't want any
0: distractions. That makes sense. So, so just just to kind of make the short story a little bit longer, you you, what do you do prior to your first shot so that you kind of understand where you're going to hold for wind so, on that first shot?
1: So I have because I've been shooting F class for su- such a long time and I've kind of learned how to read wind because of F class. I don't think in MOA. <laughs> or mills or any of that i look at the wind and i'm going that's about three rings you know th- it just that's how i operate because i'm always aiming at rings on the target right mm-hmm. so depending on what it looks like for example if it's about a three ring hold i'm just going to hold three rings right
0: and that do you, you what you mean is from from the edge of the 10 to the edge of the no. nine is that no. one
1: no, the, uh, so the center is center, and we have an X-ring. Inside the 10-ring, we have an X-ring. That's half MOA. And the X-ring okay. is used for tiebreakers. Just like I told you, on the calm, 10 to 20% of the field cleans the target at 1,000. Well, let's say you shot a 200 with 10 Xs. Out of your 20 shots, 10 of them were inside that half MOA. But I have a 200 with 50 nexus, Y1. That's used as a tiebreaker. Okay? Makes sense. So the um, – I forgot where we're going with this.
0: Oh, the how you count ring.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's what it is. So so I, I'll look at the target. i look at the win. I go, that's about a left three, and I'll hold left three. Or if it's pretty mild, left three is pretty mild. That's only one MOA. If it's left three, I'm like, well, that's pretty mild. Uh I might just hold center, perfectly center, and then just let the bullet tell me. Let the target tell me how much it is precisely. Right. If I hold center and then I hit three and a quarter lines down range or downwind, I may take two two or three shots or four, whatever. Because we get unlimited siders sometimes. If you know, so that's what I would do if we have unlimited siders. If it's a consistent wind, if it's a s- tricky wind, it's been switchy. I'm gonna lay there and I'm going to take ciders and a certain wind condition. Then I'm gonna wait for it to switch. Then I'm gonna take some ciders in that condition, and I'm just gonna try to figure out what the wind is doing.
0: Okay, so so you you lost me with the ciders. Is so, are the ciders done before the competitive round, yeah. or the ciders? Yeah. So they say, okay,
1: it? you got thirty minutes, and you have unlimited ciders. You can take a hundred ciders if you want, but once you say, "I'm going for record," the next twenty count. There's no jumping out of record. Once you start record fire, okay. you the next twenty are for score, rain or shine. Literally, if it starts okay. raining, as long as it's, they don't call the match, it counts. Right. Gotcha. Uh, Okay. So sometimes they have unlimited ciders. A lot of them, they only have two ciders. Right. So you have two and then twenty. Well, I'm going to approach it differently there because, uh, you know, I got a budget, pretty tight budget on ciders now, and I have to put twenty shots down there, and I have to select a condition. Again, if it's if it's consistent, shoot my two ciders. And go, right. Just mm-hmm. don't stop. If it's very switchy, then I'm going to take a cider in one condition and possibly wait for it to switch and take another cider. Not only switch, but wait for it to switch and become consistent enough that you can get some good feedback, and then you can start. Uh, so again, it's it's just there's there's no one size fits all.
0: Mm-hmm. It has so to if do with the give It's really interesting. I know that if I was doing that, I'd be staring at my bullet holes, and I'd be staring at the target. But but can't you can't be doing that. So <laughs> That's what, <too> far. <laughs> what, but they get they get marked, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, well, uh,
1: well, they only mark the one, the last one.
0: Oh, so you only get C one. But if you shoot another one, do they mark? Yeah, they, they that pull one? the
1: target down. They remove the one. They paste over, and then they mark the next one. But
0: like I said, the, right.
1: you only get see your last.
0: Last one. So I want to talk about attention, like where your attention is. Like if you could divide up your attention, right? we, I mean, we're we're always given a hundred percent, but sometimes ninety of it is on one thing, and sometimes fifty, and so on and so forth. So like, you know, we we can't give a hundred percent attention to everything. Um, how would you divide your major chunks of your attention during the match?
1: Well, I'm going to say 75% to 80% is win reading, right? Uh, I'm going to say 5%, 5 to 10% is going to be making sure your scorekeeper doesn't miss your shots because you have a scorekeeper. And you have to be aware, and, and I always tell them to call the shots. Call my shot. Call my score out out loud so I can hear it. So you have to listen, you have to slow down enough to hear them tell you your score, and then you have to compare it as to what you're seeing through your scope to make sure that they got the score correct, right? Okay. Uh, because when you get, you get a good condition, and you're shooting fast, and you're hitting nothing but Xs, mm-hmm. it's really easy for the scorekeeper to miss one, and that's huge, Right. Uh, because if they can miss one they can miss two or three and oftentimes you know let's their their buddy is shooting you know when i'm shooting and they're trying to see you know they're trying to do my job or you know they're trying to do their job which is keeping my score but at the same time they want to see how their buddy's doing and -hmm. they're scanning over there looking at their target and then you know they're trying to keep track of mine and you know, it, they lose track sometimes. So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to use some of your focus on making sure that they, because ultimately that's what matters. Is what's on the scorecard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you have to time. You have to keep track of your time. And I'm going to say five percent. So it's all about all you need for that, because you know, just got to make sure you run a timer, and. You know, if you have to stop and wait, you don't want to run out of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest is obviously gonna be on on your form and you're breaking clean shots and and just making sure you break a good shot.
0: Sweet. So most of it is paying attention to wind. And and so how do you how would you divide that up? Do you um when you're taking your ciders? Are are you looking for things? Or do you do you get a chance beforehand to look for things that you would use? Well you're there,
1: right? You're there all day. You're you know, after you know, after you're shooting now you are scoring for people, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're you look at the responding scope. So you're you're looking while they're shooting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And yeah, you, you you have plenty of time to to look at the conditions, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, some people it all has to be done with a purpose. A lot of people, they're they're scoring for others, and that's all they're doing. They're scoring for others. They're not thinking of themselves going, let's see what this win's doing. Let's see what's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. They're not, they're they're scoring, and that's all they're doing. But, yeah, yeah, you have to understand, by the time you show up to an F-Class match, especially if you're trying to win, everything else should already be handled. Like, your rifle should be shooting good. Your equipment should be top-notch in a sense of mechanically reliable. Your, your ammo's good. The only thing that could potentially keep you from shooting clean scores is the wind. And that's why most of the
0: focus is placed on the wind. Right, right. I guess what what I'm trying to get at is there's got to be a way to hash out Wind at an F class level that has more parameters than you know a, a hunter might might have it. You know, if you, if you only have five seconds to make a wind call, or you know, or ten seconds to make a wind call, you're, you're only going to pay attention to a certain number of things. But my my feeling is that you're paying attention to a lot a lot more parameters. Well, that's,
1: my, that's my point. Nobody should have only five seconds to make a wind call. If you're a hunter. Yeah. You've been out there, unless you jump out of your truck and you have to make a shot in five seconds, but if you're out there walking, you, you should be observing. Mm-hmm. That's my point, right? You have to observe what the wind's doing. You have to look around and you have to look, whatever it is that you need to be doing. So even if you're a hunter, you don't have five seconds. You have as long as you've been out there, but if you're not utilizing that time to look at what the wind's doing, then yeah, you're going to feel like you only have five seconds.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I I guess like, you know, you're just, you guys are the standard for the sport that you do is so much higher in terms of wind. It's fascinating. And one big difference, I think with small targets in a PRS context or NRL context, or even the hunter locate range and engage is that the targets are bigger and they're steel. So you can see them swing. So that's more of a game of corrections than it is wind, and 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 I would argue, but I'll bring on experts, you know, and and uh, that do more of that than I do. But I would argue more that that's a game of corrections than it is of of wind necessarily. But you guys are playing a game of wind, and that's a hu- to me that's a huge distinction and And so, I'm really curious because people people love to ask questions about wind, and wind versus corrections are are a completely different conversation right uh, you know in, in terms of a game so so to me, there's huge differences fundamentally in what's being measured. And asking about wind and talking about wind, I think demands you know an F class shooter. To, 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 be, to be talking about what are the elements of wind and how do you get from, okay, you go to a match and they wipe the floor with you to all of a sudden you start to perform better. Where does that attention have to shift? And what are some things that you do to train and practice that on a, on a regular basis?
1: So, you know how I told you, it doesn't matter how windy it is. What matters is how consistent it is. Well, even if it's switchy, there's spots in there that are consistent they're just not very long, right? That's what makes it switchy. So you have to learn how to identify that. And the thing that I have, you talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast about putting things in print and that's just how how they are, right? And a lot of people learn things in that manner. And to me, they never made sense. I, I just, I, I just thought I'm, I'm never going to learn how to read the wind because I was trying to do it like, like it's written in books, which is, if the flag is at a certain angle from the pole, it's this much wind, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. So, so you know, forty five degree, thirty, whatever, however they label it, right? And then they, 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 they attach a wind value which is pretty broad. They go, this is 5 to 10 miles an hour. That that, that already, even if I could read that, it's no good to me, (laughs) right? Right. So, but then there's angle, right? So you need two wind flags to read the wind. You need one for direction and one for speed because both of those matter, right? So that's the first thing you need, two flags. The direction flag should be preferably aim, you know, blowing towards towards you or away from you. And the way you read the, the direction is, you use the pole as the gauge. It's like your right side of the pole, right on the pole, or left side of the pole, right? And then you, it's really easy to tell direction that way. The uh, the speed flag, or the, the velocity flag, uh, then that's the one that they talk about the angle away from the pole, right? Mm-hmm. I'm terrible with angles, uh, I, and like I said, and even when they give you an angle, it, it's it's very broad, it, 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 and it's different for every gun. I mean, the speed, the the wind mile an hour is the same, but it it's different for every gun depending on your ballistics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, <laughs> Ryan Kleckner has this thing about the triangle. Just move it to triangle, mm-hmm. right on this elevation. Well, I yeah. do the same thing for wind reading. I move it to triangle. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I look at the direction flag left or right of the pole or center of the pole, right? That's that's it, done. But then when I look at my wind flag for 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 the one I'm relying on for speed, I don't look at the relationship with the pole. I look in the past the flag on the horizon. And, I, and I, now I treat the, the flag like a needle on a gauge. And for example, I go, hmm, right when the wind flag, the tip of the wind flag is on, that, on the tree 2,000 yards past. Right when that flag tips, that, dips and tips the top of the tree, I know that if I hold left three lines I... on target, I'm going to hit an X or a 10. And that is super precise. Because you can tell if it's touching the tip of the tree, or it's above it, or it's below it, right? That is much more that's that is much more precise than any estimation of angle against the pole. Because mm-hmm. it's the same. So that's, that's, Ryan find- Kleck- that's Ryan Kleckner's triangle.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that's I think that's great. I mean, it works. I, I think the difference is you can demonstrate it. If I said Eric, like that's bullshit. You'd be like, okay, let's go to the range yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to shoot 21 MOA targets. And then okay, all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's not bullshit. Right. So, so you call until somebody can demonstrate it. I think, you know, it, it's good to be skeptical, but I, I think that, that is a I think that that's a great tip and I think it's, it reinforces the idea that people need to get out and, learn some of that for themselves and try a lot of things to say, okay, well, how do, how do I understand? this? not just, well, shit, the book tells me I need to do this or, you know, here's, here's the, that, that, that's how I think a lot of numbers are being misused and not really helping people because, you know, there's so many numbers out there and the ratio of that kind of content to the ratio of good shooters, like the good shooters, they're not really getting, they're not really getting better. So what are people that are good? How do they understand it? And I think that that's a, that's a really good, um, example of, you know, you, you got to put in the time, but you got to put in the time the right way. Right. And if you think about it in your own way and come up with an answer, that's a hell of a lot better than constantly trying to do what somebody's telling you to do. And it just never works. Right. Right. Um, I, I think that's i think that that that's to me that that that's what i love about shooting is that so many of the good people had so much trial and error and then the people chasing them are like well what'd you do what'd you do what'd you do and then it either works or doesn't work but they never kept, they never quite catch up but the people that are always experimenting are always figuring out new little things and 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 the people at the top keep getting better right here's one thing to get
1: good you should never be afraid of losing matches because that is when you're going to experiment and just like you said sometimes they don't work well guess what you're going to do tear water match but that's okay you have two options you can either win or you can learn right? right and a lot of people they always have they a lot of shooters they they have winning that's their only option but it shouldn't be. You shoot club matches. Club matches are, in my opinion, for learning. Mm-hmm. And nationals are for winning. Right? Mm-hmm. And even that doesn't happen. <laughs> There's three, 400 people there. They only award one, one championship to one person. But guess what? Even that should be a learning experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But yeah. I think that that's really awesome. But, but, but hearing about those standards really, I think is I think it's important for people, whether they can relate to it or not. And I don't think I can relate to it all that well, but I, but I feel like I have a better understanding of just how challenging, just how difficult it is to maintain 20 shots on a one of my plate. and I don't think it's fair when comparisons get made cross shooting styles, like, well, you know, one, one dominates the rest. And if they chose to, they would win them all. And and you hear statements like that a lot about other disciplines. And I feel like, first of all, we need to set the record straight by talking about what each discipline's standards are. And these standards are incredibly difficult to maintain um, such that, you know, I I can't, I I don't, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the numbers and I'm hearing what you're talking about, but to me it it is mind blowing. Um,
1: and And not only, not only that, right. That doesn't win you a championship. You have to do this for three days in a row. A hundred, you know, typically a hundred and fifty to two hundred shots, and whoever can keep them inside the one and white target. Here, here's here's something that's gonna blow your mind. You shoot for three or four days in a row, or two or three days, and the winner ends up winning sometimes by excess. You know how I was talking about the excess or the the tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they end up winning by excess, or maybe one point, and you may have five, six people stacked up with the exact same score. The only thing that separates them is the X count Mm -hmm. after two or three days
0: of shooting. Right. And I can't not think that that is almost entirely a a wind and and an attention level of performance, because I can't think of equipment being so good that it would change the statistical likelihood enough Right. I mean, you, it has to be good. Right. It has to be good enough. But but at that point, good enough, like even if you could have a, a speedy level point zero zero one group. If you can't, you know, if 75 if percent of it, if, if you're still going to lose, you know, like if I if I had a laser beam. You don't win by shooting. Again.
1: You don't you don't win by shooting small groups. You lose by shooting big ones.
0: Right, 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 right. So it you, have that you to would lose. be consistent. It,
1: right? Yeah, you have to be consistent. You don't have to be, you don't have to be cleaning every single target, but you have to be consistent enough that you don't have bad stages. Even because the wind's going to do what it's going to do. It's going to be not every stage is going to be the same. So when it gets really tough, you just have to hold it together and go. You know, do the best you can. Stay consistent. You don't. Again, you don't have to win every single match.
0: So I get a question uh, from my subscribers, and and so I'm going to kind of like make a switch just to have you kind of walk through uh, for them your method of problem solving with with the brackets. This is where I jump in to say that if you go to rivalcraft.com and get a subscription. You get added metrics to your profile on the website, which can help you get better, more accurate information about your shooting that you could use to propel your training and understanding of your shooting forward. You get emails, subcoms, emails with training targets, ideas, and uh, product discounts as they come about. And you get access to another podcast just like this called the subcast where I continue to ask experts and talk about details, just like the rifle craft straight dope podcast, but there's more of it. So you get double the content. I try to be much more specific. So um, you're just going to have to subscribe if you want more and don't, if you don't, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there and they all cover the same topics. I've got my own style. If you like my style and you want more of it, that's a really good way to do it. You don't have to, but it sure helps promote and ensure that this podcast continues to operate the way it does. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. More content, more interviews, more specifics, more ideas for your training, and you're supporting it all as a subscriber with benefits that come from it so go check it out at riflecraft.com get a subscription and join the growing tribe of people who are trying to empower themselves by learning and experimenting and driving their skill and knowledge to the next level thank you